You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Uh, and go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We started in Psalm chapter 25 because I wanted to point out what that, what that psalm is teaching. And that is what that psalm is teaching, that God teaches us, uh, that he always desires to teach us. And I'm preaching this message tonight entitled Lessons from the Amazon. I don't know if I'm going to get through it all. I wrote this around 1 in the morning in Miami airport. It made sense then, and uh, it made sense before when I read it through again, but uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I had so many experiences there just the first day. You know when you go on a vacation and it seems like when you just are starting to unwind, it's time to come back home again? That first day was just a baptism by fire. Uh, everything, we, just the things that we did and the places we went and the things that we ate. So you know that I'm deathly allergic to mango. I say deathly allergic. I, I turned into Mr. Potato Head if I eat mango. And the very first restaurant that we went to, he sat down and they brought out a drink that looked mango-ish in color. And uh, I was like, is this safe? He's like, yes, this is, this is Lula. This is Lula. It's absolutely fine. It's a local fruit here. And so I go to put it up, and he takes a drink, and he goes, stop. And so he puts it back down. He's like, that is either Lula or that is mango. They taste the same, and I'm not quite sure. I'm like, okay, well, this is great. This is the first start. It was Lula, so I did drink it with a lot of prayer. But anyways, I learned, I learned some lessons, and I want to share them uh, with you tonight. There are some things that you hope to grow out of at some point in life, some things that you hope to move beyond as you grow older, things that, you, that, that should have a stopping point in your life. Uh, at some point, we need to stop acting like children and act like adults. At some point, we need to stop thinking only about today and start planning for the future. Uh, at some point, we need to stop relying on other people so much to meet our physical needs. You know, as a child, somebody... Uh, somebody provides for you and maybe even feeds you some time with a spoon. Well, at some point, you need to move on from that. You need to be able to start taking care of yourself. However, there are some things that it doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter how much you have, quote, unquote, progressed. You should never reach a stopping point in those areas. You should never get to the point where you have grown out of these things. You should never grow out of your love for the Lord. I remember talking to teenagers when I was a youth pastor, and I would look at them and say, at some point, you're going to get to an age, and if you're not careful, you are going to grow out of your love for the Lord. You're going to grow out of your love for church. And some of them who sat on this front row and said, no, that will never happen to me. We haven't seen them in years. They grew out of their love for the Lord. We should never grow out of our desire for faithfulness. Uh, there are some things we should always strive to be. There are areas that we should always strive to do more. We're never going to arrive in those areas, if you would. There's never a time where we should quit in those areas. We could say that we should always strive to be a good citizen. We should always strive to be a hard worker. We should always strive to be a loving person. And certainly those are true, and there's many more that we can name. But I want to point out one, 
and it's really what was brought out in Psalm chapter 25. We should always strive to be a student. There should never be a time in our lives when we are no longer teachable. Have you ever met somebody that is no longer teachable? A lot of times they're called teenagers. They get to 13 and they know everything and parents know nothing. Now I appreciate our teenagers that they do not have that attitude and make sure that you keep away from that attitude. Your parents know a lot more than you know. I remember uh, my youth pastor always used to say, it's amazing how much teenagers know before they go out for the night. Now make sure that you come back at 11 or 11. What are we doing? At <laughs> <laughs> make sure you come back at 8 o'clock. I know, I know, I know. Make sure you fill up your gas. I know, I know, I know. Make sure you keep your phone on you so that I can reach out to you at any time. I know, I know, I know. And then they do something dumb, and they come back, and you ask, why'd you do that? I don't know. But we can't get to the point where we are no longer teachable. Now, as you heard last Wednesday, we shouldn't be having to learn the same lessons over and over again. It doesn't mean anything if you say, I am always a student, if you're having to relearn the same lessons over and over again. If you're coming and saying, I am always a student, third grade was the best 12 years of my life, there's a problem with that. But I was the biggest kid in class, I'm sure you were. But you need to start progressing, you need to move on. We should be progressing in our learning. We should be growing in our, in our education spiritually. And what I'm bringing out is never stop progressing, never stop growing. That's what it means to always be a student. Let us go on unto perfection. Let us go on always forward. Now, let me ask you a question. Will we ever reach perfection? No. Will we ever com be complete in our learning? I've never met somebody like that. No. But I would rather reach for perfection and miss than reach for average and obtain it. We need to go on to perfection. We should always, a, a Christian is on dangerous ground when we believe that we have arrived. When we believe that there is nothing else that we can learn. That is dangerous ground because that is prideful ground and prideful ground is slippery ground because pride always goes before destruction. It was when Job and his friends thought in their minds, we know about God. He does this, and he is this, and he goes here, and he does this, that God shows up and says, let me show you how much you do not know about me. We must always desire to learn. Now, the wonderful news is that God always desires to teach. If we are not learning, it is not because God is not teaching. Jeremiah 32, 33 says this, and they have turned unto me the back and not the face. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not hearkened to receive instruction. Everywhere we go, every day we live, every person we meet, from the smallest distraction to the grandest observation, God is somewhere speaking. Charles Spurgeon said this, God is everywhere conspicuous. This universe is God's university. And his lectures are very powerful. They're helpful, they're clear, and in many ways they are extremely humbling because it is, it is when we think, you know, I've, I know a lot about this. I know a lot about ministry. I know a lot about people. I know a lot about how to handle certain situations that God comes and says, what about this? And you didn't even know that it was a thing until God told you that it was a thing. And that is what happened to me this last week. Uh, I can, I, I remember practicing, this is kind of a crude illustration, but I remember practicing in high school 
uh, for basketball. I wanted to be on the basketball team, but being about this short really wasn't in the cards for me to be on the basketball team. But I thought I was going to practice as much as possible so that the coach had to put me on the team. And it got to the point where I thought I was pretty good. And I was trying to work on my three-pointers and all of that. Well, one, one year, the coach allowed me to go to the tournaments as the stat man. And I had to take all the stats for the team. But I got to travel with the team, and I got to be with them, and I got to watch the games. And then I saw how good those kids were. And it opened up my eyes. I wasn't good at basketball at all. No wonder I wasn't on the team. And there are times where you read your Bible, and you get in this little, you get in this little cocoon. And you think, you, you start getting a little bit prideful. And you start getting a little bit uh, un under the impression that, you know more than you know. And then you go to a place like the Amazon, or you go to, I don't know, wherever it might be for you, and the Lord opens your eyes that there is so much more to be learned. Now, I can only hope and pray that I was a help to them while I was there. And then I taught somebody something, even one small truth while I was there. But I know that the Lord showed me some things, and I want to share them with you. I have four of them tonight. I don't know if I'll get through them all, but let's read the first one. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. This is what the lady's just saying. Would we read it together out loud? I've missed you. I want to hear your voices reading God's word. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. You know it. You could probably quote it, but let's read it together. Ready, begin. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I want you to think about that. In that's when. Everything, that's for what. Give thanks, that's how. Because give, think about that, give thanks. We don't just say thanks, we give thanks. So when are we supposed to do this? In, in the midst of everything. That's hard to do when things are bad. It's hard to give thanks right in the middle when things are going wrong. That's hard to do when things are good. Because when things are good, a lot of times we take our eyes off of the Lord. Have you ever heard the saying, you don't know what you have until it's gone? And then you give thanks for what you used to have. Why didn't we give thanks while we were in it? Why didn't we give thanks while the Lord was being good to us? Or while the Lord was seeing us through the bad times, why didn't we give thanks then? In everything, give thanks. In everything, good and bad. We give thanks. We don't just say thanks. We give thanks. I wrote this down in my Bible. How do you give thanks? Live thanks. You give thanks by living thanks. And why do we do that? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I, here's, here's number one, the lesson. Be thankful. My number one lesson from the Amazon, be thankful. I can't even say God reminded me to be thankful. It was more than that. He taught me to be thankful. He showed me in ways. He, he taught so clearly to be thankful for what we have here in ways that I had never seen. To be thankful for my family. I'd never been away from my family for a week. A week is a long time. To be thankful for my family. Every little kid that was there, I was holding every little kid, every baby, because uh, I wanted to be around my kids. I was talking to the teenagers, even though they didn't understand me. I was yelling at them like I yell at you, you know, and sit up, all that. And they, they had no idea what I was saying, but they thought I was a really nice guy. 
to be thankful for my friends. And uh, if you're wondering who my friends are, it's, it's you. You are my friends. And uh, my brother, my sisters. To be thankful for my church family. Now let me say this. We are not the only church who desires to stand for truth. We are not the only church who desires to go forward with the gospel. We are not the only church who's de who desires to stay in unity. We are not the only church who desires to bear one another's burdens. We are not the only church who, who strives in prayer. This is a praying church. We are not the only church who is a praying church. We are not the only church who is a, who is a giving church. But if you think there's a church like this on every corner, you're wrong. This is a special place. And these are special people. And that is not anything to say about us. That is nothing to be prideful of. That is the grace of God in our life. That is God's grace through your faithfulness that he has allowed us to have what we have. To be thankful for my home. There are some homes here, even in Corpus Christi, just sometimes even on the bus route, where you know what I mean, where it's hard to imagine that people live there. But there it's a different level. Uh, they aren't houses. They aren't even shacks. You couldn't even call them that. They are pieces of scrap wood that they've found, that they have put together with bent nails and broken screws and frayed pieces of rope. Uh, there's no windows to protect them from the daily rain. There's no, uh, now th it's not, that's not everywhere. There are nicer places there. But there are not a lot of nice places there. Forgive me, I'm having a hard time talking, but I'll get there. My tongue is tied. There's not a lot of nice places there. And you walk by these places with no windows, and, and there are bugs there, a lot. And even in the nice places, I got to stay in one of the nice places, there's just bugs. Um, I was sweeping up before I went, and I saw a pile of dirt, and I went and I swept the pile of dirt, and then I noticed that it wasn't a pile of dirt. The dirt was crawling everywhere. And it was inside, but it's just a part of it. There's no locks to protect from thieves on those, on those places that they make. Uh, there's no way to fight the heat and the humidity in the summer. There's no way to uh, calm the chill of the winter, but it's their home. The kids were outside playing with, just with rocks that they found. But it's their home. God taught me to be thankful for my vehicle. Vehicles that we have. We, we have vehicles. I broke my promise to my wife and I did ride a motorcycle. Twice. I had the opportunity to drive a motorcycle, but I did not do that. So I kept that part of the promise, but I did ride it twice, but I had to. To be thankful for my bed, to be thankful for my clothes. To be thankful for H-E-B. This is a hard one, but to be thankful for our roads. To be thankful for our tools. The outside of the church has a, a just kind of a front area, and it's concrete. And I would say it's about the size of underneath the canopy out there. And the roads are, are dusty, dirty, sandy. And before each and every service, there was a man out there with a broom about this wide, 
sweeping off the dust of the day. And I watched him sweep back and forth. And with every car, with every motorcycle that went by, more and more dust would just come back. But he wanted the church to look nice. Now, I think we have these crepe myrtles out here that drop everything everywhere at every part of the year. And we just go into this closet here, or if we need it, we go into the back and we grab something that's gas-powered or battery-powered, and we press a little button and it does all the work for us. They don't have that there. Now, they have it in the stores, but they can't afford it. And what took that man hours that was just going to be undone in five minutes if he would have had the proper tools, it would have been done in maybe five, maybe five seconds. But they do it, and they do it gladly. To be thankful for our tools. And, and I know that we were kind of laughing at some of those. But honestly, Christian, when is the last time you went into your car and you ran your hands along it and you looked at it all and you said, Lord, thank you for what you've given to me? When's the last time you went home, ladies, and you looked around and you saw where the Lord has allowed you to stay and where you can feel safe? That there are men outside called law enforcement, men and ladies who take time away from their families so that you can sleep soundly. When's the last time you thanked the Lord for that? When's the last time you looked in your closet and instead of saying, I have nothing to wear, you said, Lord, thank you for all that you have given to me. I'm thankful for my country. And that is a lesson that I needed to learn the hard way. I have complained about my country this year, a lot. We are not perfect. And there are many areas where we need to get better because we have turned our back on the Lord. But God bless the United States of America. We do have freedom here. And at the end of the day, and we saw it in 2001, at the end of the day, we are all American. And we do come together. There is no place like this country. When I landed in Miami, I got down on my knees in the middle of the airport. And I put my hand down on the tile floor. I didn't kiss it because of coronavirus. <laughs> but I wept. And I prayed. And I said, Lord, thank you for our country. And thank you for our freedom. Thank you for our president. Not my president. He's our president. And I am talking about in January. He's our president. Maybe you don't like the president. Maybe you like the idea of a president. Maybe you don't like how government is run, but I, I appreciate government. Thank God for our military. Brother Jonathan was telling me of how the police would come up and say, look, pastor, we're just going to let you know, we are here to collect a paycheck. We are not here to protect you. Said so you're, And the chief of police said this to him, you are American, you know what this means. Call us when it's done. said, but when you call us, we're not coming. There was a situation on Sunday night where the police were called. The police did not come. 
Psalm 100 said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. A little later, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And what a shame that the most blessed country in the history of the world has become the least thankful. Our full soul has grown to loathe the honeycomb. We drive our $60,000 cars. We sleep in our six-figure homes. We walk in the land of the free. We live in the lap of luxury and abundance. But tell me, this past year, what have we done more? Have we been more thankful or have we been complaining more? What have we been more full of, thanks or complaints? It is God's will for us to be thankful. This is the will of God concerning you. Now, I am not saying that we should feel guilty that we live here and not there. I'm not saying we should feel guilty that we have access to things that many people will never have access to. I'm not saying you need to trade in your vehicles for a jalopy, unless you drive a Prius, trade it in. I'm saying what God says, be thankful. I'm saying, parents, correct your children when they complain. Teach them how good they have it. Stop yourself from complaining. There was even times just being home where I said, honey, you know, I want to... Mm -mm. No, I wasn't complaining about her. I was just, I wanted to tell about the trip. And you know what happened? And No, I'm not going to complain. Everhart is going to be under construction until 2035. But be thankful. Be thankful for that road. Be thankful for what we have. Jeremiah asked this question in Lamentations 3. Wherefore doth a living man complain? Where has God shorted you? Where has God been unfair to you? Where has he withheld some good that you deserved? Where has he complicated your life? The next time that we complain, I want us to do something. I want us to take out a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle. And on the left side, I want us to write all of the areas where God has been good. And on the right side, I want us to write down all the areas where God has just messed things up. And if the right side outweighs the ones on the left side, then we have full permission to complain. Be thankful. God has blessed us in so many ways, but in so many ways we have grown so used to his blessings we don't even see them as blessings anymore. Brother Jonathan just wanted to go to the grocery store and grab something for the service one night, Brother Rusty. And we went to the grocery store and they didn't have it on the shelf. Okay, we'll go to another one. We drove 15 minutes to another grocery store. They didn't have it on the shelf. Okay, we'll come back in a couple hours because it was about to be noon and they siesta for two hours. Says, we'll just have to wait. Went back, nothing. Went back, nothing. It was important. They needed it. They didn't have it. He never complained. He never said, this is ridiculous. They just changed things, moved on. But if we do not get our cheesy gordita crunch in a minute, right? Be thankful. And this leads me to my, oh my goodness. I'll just give two today. Here's my next lesson. Be careful. Be careful. For sake of time, just listen to me, read it if you would. This is Zephaniah 1 verse 12. 
And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees, that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. In Bible times, when wine and juice was stored, over time, the sediments inside the container would settle to the bottom. This layer was called the lees. Now, even today, when you buy juice from a store, what does it tell you to do? Because over time, it's going to settle to the bottom. Now, as you can imagine, those heavier particles are where all the flavor is, or a lot of the flavor is. So you want to shake that back in. So in a way, lees are good from what I can understand, unless they're left to just sit. When they're left to just sit, they harden and they coagulate, and you're not able to mix them back in, and everything goes sour. What was at first good becomes bad. I believe that God has blessed us for a reason in this country. I believe that he has given us freedom, that he has given us luxuries, that he has given us tools, that he has given us access to so many things for one main reason, to make it easier to do this to make it easier to go forward with the gospel. God has blessed this country physically. We are a healthy country. God has blessed this country materially and financially. We are a wealthy country. God has blessed this country spiritually. I believe there is a hedge of protection about this country. Because when you go to a place where that hedge of protection is not there, you feel it. There is a hedge of protection about this country. Now we are breaking that hedge. But God has given us a space of grace here. We sing, America, America, God shed his grace on thee, and he has. But I'm afraid the blessings that God has given to make things easy have instead made us lazy. God has given us things to make things easy, but they made us lazy. For instance, we have, God has granted us constant access to the Bible. How many of you have more than one copy of the Bible at home or in your possession? How many of you have it on your phone? How many of you can just pull it up in your car and you can listen to the Bible? And he did that so that we could learn about it and we could... We should know the Bible more than any other country in this world, but because we have that access, instead we lose sight of its value and we don't read it the way that we should. We're 30, 40, 50 years old. We've never read, written, uh, read through the Bible once. I can understand even reading through the Bible once a year, twice a year, three times a year and still missing things because the Bible is an ocean that you will never be able to explore in a thousand lifetimes. But uh, I do not understand missing what is in the Bible by not even looking. God has given us freedom to witness, but instead of searching for someone every day, we've become complacent. Now, I know that this is a serving church, and I didn't just come home to, to whiplash you. I know that this is a serving church. And by the way, if you are here and you are not serving, jump in. Jump in. There are places to serve. Be faithful, of course. Be faithful first. That's, that's, the, that's the step. That's the first step. But jump in and serve the Lord with your life. I know that this is a serving church, but when is the last time we sacrificed something? S sacrifice is always service. Service is not always sacrifice. When is the last time we sacrificed something? Have we found our comfort zone? 
Are we happy just to coast along in this life, to settle for average instead of striving for the mediocrity, or striving for the mastery, settling for mediocrity and striving for the mastery? Have the blessings that God has given to us to make us remember him instead made us forget him? Look at all that God has done for us. Did he not do that to make us remember him and yet we forget him? Do we also say in our heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil? In other words, the Lord's far away. It doesn't matter. I don't need him to do anything, whether it's good or whether it's evil. I have everything I need right here. So let me get this straight. Because of all that God has given to us, he's no longer our only plan. He's our backup plan. We have so many resources afforded to us. We have conditioned ourselves to rely on the resources rather than the God who gave us the resources. We're looking to our blessings more than the blesser. We gave that piano to Pastor Luis, is his name there, the music minister. And I will be honest, when we gave him that piano and when he, when he came up, he did not react in the way that I thought he was going to react. How do Americans react when we get something? We take, we, you know, we're jumping up and down. We take pictures. We put it on our Instagram feed and all these different things. He just kind of stared at it. Brother Rusty, I sent you that video. He just, he just kind of stared at it. And I was sitting in the back wondering, like, does he not like it? And he picks it up and goes and puts it on the stand. And then he walks, he walks to the front of it and he starts playing. And he knows that it's nice and he... And then he just covers his face and starts to cry. But then I realized something. That piano was $1,200. And then Brother Jonathan told me the average worker there makes about $10 a day. That piano on average over there, was worth five months' salary to those people. What is five months' salary to us? Twenty-five, dollars $30,000? Let's say $30,000 to $50,000. Can you imagine, church, if somebody came in from another country and we said, you know, we need another shuttle, but it's about $50,000. And he just calls back to his church and says, let's do it. And the next thing you know, there's a new shuttle. How would we react? But then there was another man, his name was Ismael. Ismael's one of the, one of the faithful men there. And I didn't see it, but Pastor, Pastor Jonathan said, Ismael walked by and just went, did a double take. And he went up and he, and he starts to cry and he looked at Brother Jonathan and he said, look at what God did. This was God, wasn't it? This was God, wasn't it? Americans think, no, it wasn't God, it was money. That is the first reaction to many Americans. Throw some money at it. If you got a problem, throw some money at it. Hey, pastor, we have to sweep off the front of the, the, we have to sweep off the front of the church and it's taking too long. Throw some money at it. Go and get some, go and get a leaf blower. When's the last time we threw some prayer at it? You know how long they've been praying? You know how long they had that piano before we bought them a new one? 13 years. I have no idea how that piano lasted 13 years other than prayer. 
But they would come in and half the time the, the bass would work and the treble wouldn't. Or the treble would work and the bass wouldn't. And they would practice for hours and hours and they would come into church and it just wouldn't work. So all their practice wouldn't mean anything because the piano wouldn't work. For us, we just throw some money at it. But when's the last time we looked to God and we didn't look to mammon? Do we believe because of all of our blessings we no longer need the blesser? That's exactly what happened to Laodicea. They said, we are full, we are rich. This is what they, this is what they said. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And yet God said they were wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked because all of their riches and goods had caused them to do what? Become lukewarm. Settled on their lees. And God says to them, why don't you be zealous, therefore, and repent? Why don't you get some life about you? Instead of just coasting along in our comfort zone. Stretch yourself. Take that next step of faith. Yes, be thankful for everything that God has given to us. You know, do we look back at God and say, you know what, God, we don't need you to give us our daily bread because H-E-B has it. Now, aren't we supposed to be thankful for H-E-B? Yes, I have learned to be thankful for H-E-B. Very much so. But also be careful that we don't look to H-E-B more than we look to the Lord. That's what I'm saying. I will be very quick in the next two. Number three, be fearful. This is what the Lord taught me. If he teaches you, he teaches you. But this is what the Lord taught me. First of all, be thankful for everything we have. Be careful that we don't allow everything we have just to make us coast along and not love the Lord who has given us so much. Number three, be fearful. Listen to, listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, we should live our lives in such a way where we do not fear standing before God someday. First John talks about having boldness in the day of judgment. But in this last week, I saw people dwelling in the depths of poverty doing everything they could to serve the Lord. They rode in on motorcycles in the rain, to come to church, some of them for miles to come to church. They walked for miles in the rain, in the dark. Ladies, in America, would you walk home in the dark for miles? No, you wouldn't. It's not safe. And they were doing it. In high heels, they were doing it. They worked all day for around $10 a day. They came to church. They sang. They gave. They smiled. They laughed. They listened to the preaching. They would tell me, Pastor, I went home at night and I didn't go to sleep because I was studying your message. And when I woke up in the morning, I studied it again for my devotions. I preached a message on, on one of the nights of the war of the last days. I preached it here, how there needs to be a church in cities where there is wickedness. And I preached how there needs to be a church there or we are going to lose the battle. That very next day, one of the men there, his name is Marcos. He was a landscaper. And he was walking next to one of his lawnmowers that shot out a piece of rebar about 16 inches long straight into his leg. He was there at church that night. Now, Brother Hernandez and I yelled at him. 
But I'll never forget what he said. He looked back and said, I am not going to lose my battle. The next day, his, his foot, I didn't want to see the picture, so I told him no. It was about three times the size that it was supposed to be. And we made him stay home. But he fought, and if he could have kicked, he would have kicked. And he cried to his pastor and said, I don't want to lose my battle. One day we're going to stand before God and we will give an account of ourselves. He, we're, we're going to give an account, which means he's going to have questions and we will have time to answer. He, what did he tell Job? Answer me. If you know all these things, answer me. And I think God sat there in silence until Job said something. We will give an account. I have heard these words in our foyer. I have heard these words. Coming to church on Wednesday night is just too much. I have had people look me in the eye and say, I believe personally meeting three times a week is a little excessive, Pastor. I have had people tell me, I do not come on Sunday mornings because you only preach to lost people on Sunday mornings, so there is nothing for me there. I would be fearful to stand before God with that reasoning when there are people who walk for miles to church every day. I would be fearful to tell my God the excuse for not reading his word when there are people who would give anything just to have one book of the Bible in their language. I would be fearful to give God my excuse for not giving when there are people all around who of their penury give much of what they have. I would be fearful to tell God why our spirit was so sour all the time when there are people who live in places we wouldn't let our pets live in and they are joyful. Sometimes I look out at the pews and, and as Brother Rusty puts it, they have their arms crossed and their faces are like stones and they say, bless me if you can. Jesus died for you so that you could have joy that's unspeakable. And because of your sour attitude, you're going to have a heart that's unbreakable. Or at least we try to make it so. Jeremiah says, God's word is like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Your heart will be broken one day. And it will be either one day or it will be that day. Don't make it too late. My last one here, be mindful. Be mindful. Listen to these verses in Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. For I long to see you that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. Who is this talking? This is Paul. Who is he writing to? He's writing to one of his supporting churches. I long to see you. Verse 12. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Brother Hernandez dropped me off at the airport to send me away on Monday, and he brought these verses up in conversation, and here's what he said. He looked at me and he said, Pastor, if we fail here, the church in Corpus Christi will be damaged. And he said, and if you fail there, the church here will be damaged. We are in this together.
And he said, we have a mutual faith. Church, others are watching us. They are counting on us. And each step of faith that we take sends out a ripple effect that can help or damage countless souls. We need to be thankful. And we need to be careful. And we must be fearful to stand before God without having given our all to him. And we have to realize that those decisions don't just affect us. They affect generations Our children are affected by our decisions. Our families, our friends, our co-workers, our brethren in foreign lands, countless eternal souls are affected. God is always teaching. He taught me this last week lessons that I hope I never forget, but I know I will be prone to forget. I hope you learn them also. Church, there are things that happened there, things that I saw there, that if I would tell you, you would not believe me. All I can do is open my heart in the the only way I know how and say these lessons, make them yours. Our natural tendency brings degeneration over time. But when we allow God's word to teach us, that is when we have regeneration. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.